0: Welcome to Addicted to Murder. This is Courtney, licensed professional counselor with over a decade of experience.
1: And this is Trisha, and I know one or two people who are Grand Gouziers. Grand Gouziers? That sounds fun. It's a person who will eat anything and everything. Ah, that does sound fun. It's not me. It's not me either. Although I do eat a lot more and try a lot more things than I would have as a child was what you might call a picky eater.
0: Got it. Got it. Were you? Not so much. Like, there were things that I knew I didn't like, Mm -hmm. but I've always been fairly adventurous with food. Yeah. I was,
1: you know, pretty much like cereal and mashed potatoes. Like the kid in Christmas Story. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I was. Mm -hmm. That kid. Yeah. So, Courtney and I just spent two hours... (laughs) because it's three thirty now yeah fixing some technical
0: difficulties try, well we'll see hopefully fixing some technical difficulties
1: like I've said this before but we need a producer we don't know what like we're doing our best but when our um, recording software is like you need to free up space and we try and we find external hard drives and we try to upload to the cloud and it still doesn't work like
0: we don't know what to do no no So, if you are an IT person slash producer in the Eugene Springfield area. That's looking for, you know. Volunteer hours. Volunteer hours. (laughs) Let us know. We
1: we don't make any money off this podcast. So, like, you know. Um, So, we're hoping that this actually goes past the two minutes it allowed last time. Yes, hopefully. And I don't know what we're going to do next week. We'll have to. I don't don't know.
0: I'm going to buy us our own, like. This drive thing but, so that we can... It won't be full of other stuff.
1: I mean, that's what this external hard drive is. It's 200 gigabytes of space. But I don't you understand. had
0: 25,000 pictures but on it. But
1: I took them off. <laughs> and it now has 200...
0: I don't get it. I don't
1: know. Whatever. Anyway. We're here for um, part two of David Parker Ray. Yes. Uh, but Courtney's got a question first.
0: I do. So we talked a little bit about David Parker Ray and his good friend cindy hendy's um cute meat right uh-huh. meet cute meet cute mm-hmm. thank you and so i was wondering your parents do you know their meet cute story i think that my dad's
1: cousin introduced my parents mm. and my mom did tell me on one of the first dates that my dad introduced her as karen and that's not her name to his <laughs> sister Good. Um,
0: but good first
1: impressions there. Yeah. But uh, they ended up together and they're still together.
0: And that's pretty impressive. What about your parents? So, the story that I've been told is my mom was a teenager. She was like 17, working at a Kentucky Fried Chicken. And she was talking to this guy named Kevin who came through the drive thru with his friend, my dad. And through the drive through window of KFC, my mom and my dad met. And my mom ended up hitting it off with my dad more than his friend Kevin. Um, who, I don't know how he felt about that. But that's how they met. And they got married. And they are also still married. The colonel brought people together. He did. He did.
1: Hmm. Well, that's sweet.
0: It was. Yeah, way better than (laughs) David Parker Ray and Cindy
1: (laughs) Cindy Hendy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Way less scandalous.
0: Yes. Also, just a little side note that I just realized is my mom's name actually is Karen.
1: My mom's name is not Karen. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, and it was—it's not anywhere near Karen. So it just. Yeah, but that's my mom. She's easygoing. That's good. Well, since we're on the subject,
0: do you want to recap last week's episode? Yes, let's do it. Okay. So last week, we met David, who was basically abandoned by his parents and raised by his grandmother, who thought that he was the reincarnation of his uncle. Mm -hmm. He started having dark sexual fantasies at a young age and quickly progressed to violent and destructive behaviors. He was married multiple times and started acting out his violent fantasies with his wives and sex workers. And then he met Cindy. Cindy had a horrific childhood where she was neglected and sexually abused before being kicked out of her house at the age of 12. She did what she had to to survive, was addicted to drugs, had several children, and could be violent. She moved to New Mexico where she met David while completing her community service hours.
1: Courtney, I'm looking at our script, and I have a lot of words, so bear with us. Here we go. Okay. All right, so the two have now met and joined forces. Cindy, with her extremely troubled and felonious past, and David, with his dark and sinister thoughts and twisted fantasies, were a perfect pair made in hell. Now, I just want to note that David is a little different than most of the killers slash You know, criminals we've studied because he doesn't really have a criminal history. So, like, he's not on the police radar at this point. Mm -hmm.
0: He's done a lot of bad things, but never. never got caught. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, anyways, that's just a little deviance from our typical person we cover. So we're going to start with the last known victim of David Parker Ray in this episode and Cindy Hindi, and try to work our way back. So this case is a little different because there have never been any bodies found that were linked to either of the two, but they did keep some of their victims alive and that is how investigators were able to piece together some of the puzzle. So this case has a lot of awful depictions of torture and I do briefly go over them but I don't get as in-depth as can be got so if that's something that's of interest to you I you know encourage you to look into this case because it's pretty gnarly but on the afternoon of March 22nd 1999 a naked and distressed woman barged into the home of Darlene Breach quote her wrists looked like hamburger meat she had beautiful long brown hair and it was all matted with blood she was dirty all over and it looked like she had pooped in her pants her poor little boobs were black and blue, and there were bruises all over her arms and legs. So the woman grabbed onto Darlene and got blood all over Darlene. Quote, she ran back from the front door and grabbed my arm and started talking very, very fast. She was terrified. She said some guy named David and his girlfriend Cindy had kept her locked up in a trailer for three days and nights. And during this time, they did nothing but torture her. So on the third day she was there, um, the man, David, had put on a uniform and headed off to work. While he went to work, she was ta- chained to the wall with Cindy Hindi. Somehow the captive, whose name is also Cindy, so you know, it might get a little confusing um, in the story, was able to get the key and unlock her shackles. So the two of the Cindys got into a scuffle, but the captive Cindy was able to survive being hit in the head with the lamp and stabbed the other woman with an ice pick she jumped out the window and ran away. Police were called, and the woman was identified as Cindy Vigil, the victim. With the description of the perpetrators, the police were able to apprehend both David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindi. When the police uh, questioned Cindy Vigil, she explained that she had been doing sex work when she was introduced to the pair by her pimp three days before. When she got into their vehicle, the man, David, pulled out a badge, and said she was under arrest. She was then handcuffed and secured in the camper. The police report reads the following. So trigger warning, this is graphic. Quote, Miss Vigil stated that she was taken to an unknown location where she was restrained by her arms and her legs. She said Ray placed dildos into her vagina and rectum simultaneously while Hendy watched on. She described receiving, quote, shock therapy in which Ray attached electrical connections to her breasts, which would send electrical shocks through her body. Both times, Hindi would have a small revolver threatening to shoot her if she tried to escape. Courtney, what are your thoughts?
0: Well, this is certainly something pretty new for us. You know, most of the serial killers we've covered don't have the patience or the infrastructure for this type of prolonged torture. Gary Heidnik tried with his cellar of horrors, um, but didn't quite get it right. Um, And David and Cindy, by the time they kidnapped Cindy Vigil, were working very well together. And it's clear that they had had a lot of practice already putting together this sadistic ritual.
1: So this was a big story in the tiny, excuse me, this was a big story in the tiny town of Truth or Consequences, New Mexico, and it was played on the local news. One woman named Angelique saw the story and realized that she had also escaped David. She had tried to tell her boyfriend what had happened to her back when it had happened, but she wasn't believed. Well, she was believed now. She went to the police station to tell her tale. Angelique had been captive uh, for 5 days. And she, unlike Cindy Vigil, had been actually taken into the toy box for additional torture. So Angelique was captured because Cindy Hindi offered to give her some cake mix and stuff and stuff for frosting she was making a cake for somebody. Angelique and Cindy were acquainted. When she went to the trailer to get the stuff, David threatened her with a large knife. They then stripped her of her clothes and bound her to the bed. They played her a videotape that showed their torture rooms and tools what they had done to others, and what they were going to do to her. They left her chained to the bed for three days. On the third day, David said, quote, We're going to the play box. I want to show you my toys. They took her to another place on the property, a small trailer type of thing, and changed her up, chained her up again. Angelique, Angelique described it as, quote, Looking around, I could see things that looked like medical instruments, pliers, clamps, claws, or saws and scalpels. There are also whips and chains and padlocks and other scary-looking restraints. Courtney, why do you think they left her in their house dwelling for three days before transferring her to the toy box? Do you think it was to wear her down or to induce fear?
0: Yes. I, I think David was leaving Angelique tied to the bed for three days was very strategic. On just a practical level, you know, after being chained and abused, probably with minimal or no food and water... Angelique would have been much weaker physically and wouldn't have the energy or strength to fight back as much, especially in the space between the house and the the new trailer. And then on that psychological torture side, showing her the video of the toy box and previous victims and then leaving her for days to think about those images and imagine what they might do to her would have been excruciating, especially not knowing when and if things might
1: change well angelique went on to describe some of their tortures she said they put something in her from behind that basically paralyzed her and the two of them inflicted as much pain as they could on her after this they took her back to the main house and chained her up but brought her back to the toy box the next day where david forced her to fillet him he then strapped her to the table clipped wires to her breasts and electrocuted her she claims that while she was being electrocuted, she could hear the pair ooing and aahing as they watched what the torture was doing to her body. The torture went on for at least an hour, after which they took her back to the bed and chained her up again. Angelique was praying through all of this torture, and she said her prayers made her feel stronger. On day five, Cindy left David and her alone together, and the two got to talking. David said that if he had known how sweet Angelique was, he wouldn't have done this to her. He thought they could have actually been friends. She somehow convinced him to let her go after she promised to go to Albuquerque, which was 100 miles away. Cindy wasn't happy about it, but the two did let her go. Courtney, two things. Let's talk about this type of sadistic torture and what this means about the mental health of David and Cindy. Let's also touch on David letting her go and also what kind of post-trauma issues this can cause to a person.
0: So I think the key word in all of this is sadistic. A sadist is defined as a person who gets excitement, pleasure, or arousal by witnessing and or causing the pain and suffering of others. Sexual sadists become sexually aroused by this. David is absolutely a psychopath with sexually sadistic proclivities. Cindy is also probably a sadist based on her fantasies and her behavior and all of this. What is interesting about what happened with David and Angelique is that she managed to humanize herself to David, who viewed most women as objects to be taken. And so this changed the dynamic enough for him to let her go. Now, the torture that Angelique experienced over those five days would have a lasting impact on a person, and I would be very surprised if Angelique did not suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, which might include intrusive Memories, flashbacks and nightmares of what happened to her, um, emotional numbing or bouts of emotional dysregulation, hypervigilance, that sort of feeling of always being on guard and waiting for something bad to happen, um, and ongoing difficulty with physical touch or sexual intimacy.
1: So you think that someone can humanize themselves to a psychopath?
0: I think that... In a way, they can, um, but it has to be, like, to the psychopath's benefit, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So humanizing them, trying to humanize themselves as, like, oh, you don't want to hurt me. I'm a mom. I've got kids. Like, David doesn't care about that. Mm -hmm. But being someone who's, like, nice and amusing to him, then he benefits from you being a real person. Gotcha. Well, so at
1: this point with like these two women coming forward, the FBI was brought in and they started looking for evidence. They found a da- a videotape at David's place that showed a woman with a very distinctive swan tattoo being tortured. They were able to use that tattoo to find the woman it belonged to. A woman had called in an incident that had happened when her ex daughter-in-law went missing for three days after she saw all the stuff on the news. Her daughter-in-law was the one that had that swan tattoo her name was Kelly. She told the story to the FBI. She had been given a ride by David's daughter, who went by the name Jessie. Jessie told her she wanted to get some coffee from her dad's house before she took Kelly home. Kelly had heard of David, and she heard that he may be involved in a devil-worshipping cult. Once she got into the trailer, father and daughter then held a knife to Kelly's throat and covered her eyes and mouth with duct tape. They then removed her clothes, put a dog collar on her neck, and took her to the toy box. Kelly says that her memory is hazy. She remembers some things, some items used on her, using a bathroom twice, and she remembers pain. Quote, he told me this that, this that his satanic group had been watching for a long time because they wanted me as a sex slave, but he finally decided I was too tight between the legs for good sex, and eventually he let me go. When asked why she didn't tell anyone what happened, Kelly said she thought no one would believe her. She had just been recently married, and her three-day absence caused a rift in her marriage that actually ended in divorce. Courtney, a satanic cult? Daughter involvement? What the heck?
0: Well, I mean, New Mexico is known for some shady things, mostly to do with Roswell and aliens, but maybe satanic cults were also involved there. Um, I don't personally think that David was necessarily involved in a cult, um, but could have, you know, Could have been a story that he used to increase fear in his victims or, like, enhance his reputation around town. Um, And as for his daughter, Jessie's involvement, I would not be surprised if she had been sexually abused by her father and groomed from a young age to help him in his conquests.
1: So you're not saying he's a Richard Ramirez type? No. Not that Richard Ramirez was in a cult, but he was definitely into satanic stuff.
0: Right. Yeah, no... Um, David seems far too, I guess, like, logical.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if mm-hmm. he was, like, it would be like, he would use it just to get people to do what he wanted.
0: Yeah, he would be, like, the leader of the mm-hmm. cult.
1: Well, just a little bit about Jessie. She did like to have sexual relations with women, and it was discovered during the raid on the house that David had set up a camera so he could watch his daughter have sex with others.
0: Courtney? Again, more reason to believe that David had at some point abused Jesse. Yeah.
1: So at this point, there were over 100 federal agents sifting through the property of David Parker Ray. The evidence they were gathering was so graphic and so disturbing that another victim was claimed. FBI agent Patty Rust had been assigned the task of drawing detailed pictures of the items found in the toy box. She spent five days in the toy box, and on the fifth day, she walked outside, pulled out her service revolver, and shot herself in the head, dying instantly. Courtney, we've never seen this type of fallout from evidence collection on on another case.
0: So, Secondary trauma experienced by first responders and law enforcement who witness the aftermath of a crisis is very real and can be very serious. But rarely does it have such an immediate and violent outcome. I don't know exactly what Patty Rust saw and experienced in that trailer, but I would guess that there was something also in her past that was likely triggered additionally um, for it to lead to suicide in that manner.
1: So just in case that wasn't clear, an FBI agent, a seasoned FBI agent, Mm -hmm. was doing her job at a crime scene and whatever she saw made her go outside while at work in her you know crime work clothes and shoot herself in front of everybody and drop dead. Yes. That's how bad it was inside this toy box. Right. It was just I yeah. So again, we're not getting into it as much as it (laughs) Right. We don't know
0: anything else about Patty Rust or her history or or anything like that. But this was bad. Yeah stuff that she was looking at.
1: So One of the items recovered in the trailer was a clipboard that had what looked like a roster on it. One column said, quote, kidnap date. The other column said number of assaults. And there were many dates on the list. And the number of assaults ranged from 27 per person to 53 per person. Courtney, do you think this was some kind of trophy?
0: I mean, you could think of it as a trophy. Although I think the videotapes fit that definition a little bit better. Uh, But if nothing else, the list would serve as a reminder of his victims, almost like keeping an inventory database of the women that he tortured.
1: Well, there are full descriptions of the toy box and all of the many torture devices it held. There are photographs of all of these as well. I'm not going to go into it much more in detail, but they estimated that David spent $100,000 on his torture chamber, and that was back in the 90s, so you can imagine all the evil things that that money had bought. One of the items that he created was an audio tape that he would play for his victims, so you can actually hear the audio online um, with him reading it, like it's his actual tape, but I'll read a few snippets of it so you can get the idea. Now, this is so frightening to think about. So you're abducted, you're stripped, most likely cannot see with a gag in your mouth, and you're strapped to a bed or his gynecological table, and then there's this tape playing, explaining what he's going to do to you. It's horrifying to even ponder, but here we go. Quote, hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained, gagged, probably blindfolded. You're disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly number under, normal under the circumstances. For a little while at least, you need to let, get your shit together and listen to this tape. It's a very relevant to your situation. I'm going to tell you in detail why you have been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you'll be here. Our primary interest is in what you've got between your legs. You'll be raped thoroughly and repeatedly in every hole you've got. Because basically, you've been snatched and brought here for us to train and use as a sex slave. What all this amounts to is that you're going to be kept naked and chained up like an animal and used and abused any time we want to, any way that we want to. It's no big deal. My lady friend and I have been keeping sex slaves for years. We both have kinky hang-ups involving rape, dungeon games, etc. Okay, that was just a tiny bit of his tape that he would play. It got worse. Worse, it talked more in detail about the specific things that they were going to do to the captive. He does describe what he does when he is done with the hostage. He claims he doesn't want to kill the women, so instead he drugs them with sodium pentothal and phenobarbital. This, he claims, will make them suggestible, put into a hypnotic state. He will then play with their minds for a few days, bathe them, flush out any DNA evidence, and then release them on the road. Brainwashed. David also claimed that he would use these women in fetish videos that he would then sell for big money. Courtney?
0: (sighs) That audio tape is very hard to listen to, and I can only imagine how much fear the women who heard it while being held captive must have experienced. I think it is possible that David's claim of not wanting to kill these women is true. There were never any bodies found in connection to him, Um, but, you know, his type of sadism does seem to thrive more on creating ongoing fear and suffering. So can you imagine how much fear and suffering you would experience if you came to basically on a random road with foggy memories and covered in wounds and bruises? Letting victims go is actually another way of continuing to torture them. Yeah, and, and having lost days, you Mm -hmm. know? Right, days of time where it's all hazy. Uh Uh-huh.
1: I mean, he must have, I don't know how long he was experimenting to figure out the combination of drugs that worked because I do believe that I recall that there were people that the um, evidence like that the police found or the FBI found um, showed women and and they were able to contact the women afterwards and the women were like, I don't remember being there at all. Right. Like it was a shock to them.
0: Yeah. And if you think about um, Kelly's description of Mm -hmm. her abuse, like there were whole days that she didn't really remember much of. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: so at this point, the evidence has been collected. Three survivors have come forward. No bodies have been found. But again, they're in the desert. There could be bodies anywhere, including the giant lake that is nearby. I think it's Elephant Butte Lake was what it was called. Um, David Parker Ray and Cindy Hindi have both been arrested. David's accomplice and potential cult member, Roy Yancey, has also been arrested in connection to the goings-ons at the toy box. David's daughter, Glenda slash Jessie, was also arrested. So there is a lot that went into prosecuting this case. The judge decided to make it three separate, three separate trials for David um, and the three victims. And Cindy flipped on David and cut a deal. Are we surprised? I don't no. think so. <laughs> she ended up testifying against David Parker Ray, and she would get 36 years for her part in the crime. Roy Yancey got 30 years for a murder, per Wikipedia quote: "1997 murder of 22-year-old Marie Parker in Elephant Butte." Yancey confessed to helping Jesse Ray lure Parker into captivity in her father's trailer. Yancey said that Parker was tortured and that Ray forced him to strangle the woman to death. So, right, right there, it's accusing um, Roy Yancey is saying that David Parker forced him to strangle a woman to death. So, yeah. So I mean, that
0: brings up the question of maybe there was was murder attached yes. to some of these.
1: Yeah. Um, David's daughter ended up getting thirty months for kidnapping and sexual penetration. David would accept a plea bargain a week into one of his trials for 225 years. Okay, so Roy Yancey got the 30 years for murder. Cindy Handy got 36 years for her part in the crime. Um, The daughter got 30 months, and then David got 224 years. Yes. Okay. Two years after David was sentenced, he died of a heart attack. Courtney... Cindy Hindi was released in 2019, about 19 years into her sentence. What do you think about that?
0: She's out. She is. You know, I, I don't have much sympathy for Cindy. She did some horrible things to these women that are inexcusable. And yet there's a part of me that does wonder how much Cindy was also a victim of David. She was already severely traumatized when she met him. And being 20 years older than her made it easier for David to manipulate her into potentially doing his bidding. I also wonder if the kind of, quote, shared fantasies that um, David and Cindy claim to have shared and that David then acted out on Cindy maybe started off as consensual and shared fantasies, but then rose to a point beyond which she wanted. And so she participated in the torture of other women, at least in part, so it wasn't done to her.
1: I mean, if we look at grooming behavior, he sought out someone who was vulnerable. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Molded her. Right. But.
0: And that's all conjecture, of right. course. We don't Sure. Who really knows what know what was happening. If but they it met. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. All All right. Well, that was a weird case, but David Parker Ray is a suspected serial killer. What do you think? Do you think he was a serial killer?
0: I, I would be surprised if he's not. Yeah. Given the level of like sadism and mm-hmm. yeah, and going that he shows. too far.
1: I mean, Gary Heidnik didn't try to kill his victims, but sometimes accidents happen.
0: Right, especially when you're playing with things like electricity
1: mm-hmm. and prolonged torture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. So there is, like I said, a ton on this case. So if you out there are interested in more of the horrific details, you can definitely find out about them online and through shows and YouTube and all that. I just personally couldn't put more effort into this one than I did. I didn't enjoy writing this one up. I put it off for a long time. It was distressing, made me feel pretty vulnerable as a woman. Also, the fact that he had a female accomplice makes
0: it even more frightening. Courtney, next case. Yeah, so I had heard the nickname of our next killer that we're going to talk about, but didn't really know anything about their story. So what I will say is that because of how his story ends, he was mostly forgotten instead of being more immortalized like his contemporaries, Ted Bundy and Ed Kemper was operating right around that same time
1: was it was the time of the big serial killer boom
0: yep but everyone but everyone remembers their names and no one really remembers him right i mean i
1: think i had heard of his moniker but not i didn't know his name right until we watched
0: that little thing on him yeah that documentary Mm
1: -hmm. well courtney what do we do when a park ranger invites you to come play in a creepy trailer in the desert
0: you go nuts go home And go to therapy.
1: Sounds good to me. Thanks, everyone. Be safe. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Or actually the Tuesday after that. Thanks. Bye.